Well, Jesus, we thank You for this day and for all that You've done for us. You know, we thank You for the opportunity to gather in this place, Lord, and uh, for all that You are working inside of us. God, the changes that You're making in us. God, I pray You prepare our hearts to receive from You exactly what You have today. And Lord God, that You would plant it inside of us. God, that You would uh, cause us to receive the things that You're saying, God, when You give us instructions, Lord, where You want to be swift to hear and slow to, to speak some kind of, uh, of justification or some kind of rebuttal to the things that You're saying. Now we just praise You and we glorify You. We thank You for this day in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You know, uh, uh, over the years I've, I've had various times where God would deal with me about a particular thing. And how many know that he likes to use somebody with skin on to uh, bring his voice to you? You know, and, and and he likes to use somebody that you not particularly like to hear it from. Because then you have to humble down and, and accept that as the voice of God. So I, I know I've had those experiences in my life. And, and uh, you know, we do want to be swift to hear and slow to speak because... Uh, you know, just the other day, I was telling one of my children uh, not to do something. I turned my back, and not half a minute later, I turned around, and there he is again with this same thing. And I was like, I just told you to stop, didn't I? And uh, bless his heart, Jeremy is such a salesman that he was going to sell me on why this is a good idea to do this thing that you just told me not to do. This is what I was thinking. This is why I decided I was going to do this. Like you, you're missing the point. I said no. So, all of your excuses and salesmanship, while appreciated, is unnecessary. I said no, and that's that. So, so I appreciate God talking to us and and doing the things that He does. And uh, I'd like to think over the years I've I've learned to uh, at least improve uh, just hearing what He says and and not fighting against it. So, you know, the Bible says that uh, death and life are both in the power of the tongue. So by your words you should be justified, by your words you be condemned. So, you know, God revealed himself to us as the word. So so words are very important. And uh, so there, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot to that in the things that we say. You know, because the things that we say show what's uh, what's inside of us. You know, I mean, everybody knows that actions speak louder than words. You can say one thing and be doing something else, but oftentimes, especially if you are if you're stirred up in any kind of way, if you're angry or afraid or or maybe really really happy, sometimes your your filter for the things that you say kind of uh, evaporates. And then, and then it's you find that you're you're saying the things that you kind of would have just kept to yourself and filtered out. So the Bible says that self-control is one of the fruits of the spirit. One of the translations talks about it as self-control, and and I like that because we understand that there's a lot of things that we we can't do and that we need God to do in us. There's also a lot of things that God expects us to just do. Because because we have self control, 
and we can learn self-control. Um, when I was growing up, uh, my parents didn't really require me to have any kind of self-control. Uh, they didn't impose on me any kind of rules that would require me to do that. So if I got angry, I could shout and curse and swear at my at my dad, and it really you know there was nothing he would really do about it except for dish it right back at me. And uh, until I I pushed him to his limit, and then typically some kind of physical violence would ensue. Uh, you know, and oddly enough, though, I wasn't allowed to to even think about doing something like that to my mother. And she's so easygoing and and everything that I typically never butted heads with her anyway. But my dad was just like me, and so we we had a tendency to to butt heads a lot. But um, I was. I'm having this place now with my children where I'm getting to teach them self-control. And I was actually just explaining to one of my kids the other day. I was like, look, I'm doing for you what Grandpa didn't do for me. You're going to learn to control this behavior because you can. And I had to learn to do it when I was older because I didn't have somebody to teach me to do it when I was a kid. So it's a lot easier to learn how to do it now. It'll make life easier for you in the long run. So... Go with me to uh, Ephesians 4. You know, the things that we say should reflect uh, the presence of God in our heart and in our life. And so, so we want to we pay attention to the things that we say and, and think about, you know, what does that sound like? You know, it's it's an interesting thing when you when you have children. You're, they say things, and you think, "Where did you get that?" And uh, and if you pay attention, a lot of times you'll find out they got it from you. So uh, it's interesting how how that happens. And I told you five, right? That's four. Okay, I did say four. Okay. <coughs> Well then, let's start in 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. So he's saying not to let corrupt communication out of your mouth. You know, there's lots of things like thoughts that will occur to you, but that's where you filter it. And and you think, um, that would not be a a good thing to say, so I'm not going to say that. And and everybody grows up learning to filter things, and and everybody can filter things to some degree. And uh, uh, sometimes we have to learn what we should filter because our our criteria is, is off. Um, so, you know, the thing about filtering the things that we say, you know, this, uh, there's all kinds of things that we can make a conscious effort to filter out. Things that are, you know, statements that are full of doubt and fear and anger, uh, inappropriate subject matter even, you know. And, you know, when they came to Jericho, when Israel came to Jericho, they were not supposed to say anything. You guys all know that. Because as soon as somebody's like, I don't think this is going to work. 
this seems really like not a good idea, then it starts spreading. And, and then everybody is soon filled with this sense of discontent that this is a really bad idea. And so you can, uh, your words have a lot of power. You can spread discord and unhappiness and doubt and fear, anger. You can also spread good things. You can spread edification. And, and so so with your words, you can, you can say, am I... Okay, this thing that I'm getting ready to say, can I? Is this going to be something that builds them up, or is this going to be something that tears them down? And uh, is this something that's uh, a profitable thing to say, or is it not? The Bible says that God's in heaven, we're on earth. Let our words be few. So, you know, typically the people you know that are quiet, that don't say things very often, they kind of save their their words for something of value. They they kind of have a tendency to throw in a pithy statement at just the right moment uh, that says a lot with a few words instead of lots of words that doesn't really say anything. Uh, so, so he says, excuse me, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed to the day of redemption. So, so you want to think, you want to stop and think: Is God going to be pleased with what I'm about to say? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So all those things, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor and evil speaking, malice. You know, that's that's an interesting word. And and so so he's saying rather than spreading those kinds of things with our words, we can be tender hearted, forgiving one another, just the same way that God has forgiven us, we we can forgive other people. And and so that doesn't happen unless they have stepped on your toes, as it were. You know, you don't you don't have to forgive somebody if they didn't do anything. But there's a uh, a love there that, that that God wants us to exercise towards one another. Uh, Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. But fornication and uncleanness. Or, or covetousness, let it not be once named among you, as becomes saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. So I want you to notice something about that. It, it, he... Uh, it seems like he's kind of changed the subject yet again, again, away from the corrupt communication. And he starts talking about fornication and uncleanness and covetousness. And then he, starts, he goes back to the talking again. He says, foolish talking, jesting, which are uh, not convenient. And then he goes back again to the whoremongering, the unclean person, and the covetous man, the idolatry. So, you know, a while back we talked about how in Hebrews 11... He talks about all of these rather perilous 
confounding things that came have come upon God's people. And in the middle of it, he says they were tempted. And so it's the, the placement of that speaks volumes for what what God thinks of that and, and what the, the kind of impact that it has on us. So, you know, any of us understand that that fornication and covetousness and idolatry and all those things, that's bad. Obviously, really bad. And uh, anybody gets that. And so he throws in there this foolish talking and, and the jesting. And so while we're talking about words, um, this is an interesting word that he uses for foolish talking. In the Greek, it's one word, morologia. And and uh, it comes from the word moros, which is where we get the English word moron. And uh, in English, we call someone a moron. We intend to insult their intelligence. And that's not actually what the Greek is talking about at all. You know, when Jesus said, if you call your, if you say to your brother, uh, Rekha, then you'll be in danger of the judgment. That is more like, it means empty-headed or vain fellow. So that would be insulting their intelligence. Call someone moros is to malign their character and their heart. It's like it's saying you're you're morally uh, deficient, and so that's that's an entirely different thing, you know. So, you know, if we call someone a moron, we just mean to say that they're stupid. But he's saying if you call someone moros, you're saying that you are morally deficient, bankrupt, and and so. So if you have foolish talking then, then you're talking along those lines of moral deficiency. And the things that you're saying have no moral value and no profitability. And Paul just told us that, that we shouldn't have corrupt communication, but that which is good to the use of edifying. So then this, this foolish talking then uh, is morally deficient and, and it, it, it doesn't fit. And he says, nor jesting. And uh, the word that he uses here for jesting is eutropelia, and it means literally to turn easily. So, you know, people that have a good sense of humor typically are good at turning words around to mean something funny. You know, lots of people enjoy puns and plays on words and things like that. And that's not inherently bad, obviously. I mean, we know lots of people who do that that uh, aren't morally deficient. But the thing is, is the, the context here uh, is talking about negative kinds of talking. So we understand that he's talking about, uh, about that. The, the thing that, that is interesting about, about always think, thinking about words and turning them to be funny and stuff is it's easy to trend that into mischief and, and things that are obscene and inappropriate and stuff. It's... it's really easy to do that, uh, particularly when you are surrounded by a society that is just filled with that kind of trash, when it's just everywhere. And uh, so if you have a quick wit, oftentimes it's easy to just come up with those things, and that's where the filter comes in. It says, no, I'm not going to let that, I'm not going to make that a part of me, I'm going to filter that out. You know, uh, when Cynthia and I got married, I was 19. And uh, I hate to disappoint all of you, but when you're 19, you're still very young. And uh, it takes a while 
some longer than others, to grow beyond that. When I was in my 30s, it finally occurred to me that that when when a lady gets married, she's not wanting to marry a little boy. And, uh, you know, they the common wisdom, that, uh, if you've ever listened to Mark Rutland's wife talk, she talks about this. She's like, if you want your marriage to last, ladies, you need to understand that a man is eight inside. He is perpetually eight. Treat him as such, and your marriage will go well. Um and I thought, well, that's really funny, and that's great. Yeah, we are all just eight inside. And As time went on, I realized, no, actually, what a, what a woman wants is a grown man. That's what, kind of what she was thinking about, you know. Prince, Prince Charming didn't uh, uh, tell obscene jokes to Cinderella. You know, she would not have been amused. And so, it's, you know, it seems like a small thing. Uh, but it's it's a very important thing because because your words have power, and the things that you say, it's like you, if you have enough filthy talk around, then it's like it's like man, does someone want to open a window? It's like it it, it has gotten rancid in here, you know. And uh, like I said. Some people it takes longer than others for that to uh, occur to them, yeah. but uh, but he says here that the foolish talking and the jesting are not convenient, and and yeah, that's convenient is a is an interesting word, um, <clears throat> but a way that we would understand that more readily, I think, is to say that it's not proper, and. Uh, Another really good way, somewhere that I, I came across, said that it's not, or that it's out of place. And, you know, there are there's a time and place for things, right? And so there's things that you can discuss with somebody that you wouldn't discuss with everybody. And and so, so God is, is talking about being careful with the things that we say. So, so he says... Uh, verse 3, but fornication and uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becomes saints. So, it's like if, you, if you're if you one of the holy ones, then then all that stuff would be out of place. It says, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks. So, so then he, so he's like, now here's what you don't do. He's like, but here's what you do do. You, know, you can talk about the giving of thanks. You know, you can talk about the good things that God is doing, and because then you're talking about something that's that's good and edifying. It's it's, use, it's good for the use of edifying, just like He said in chapter four. So He says, uh, "For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God." Let man, no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Therefore, be not partakers with them. That's interesting. Because of all, because of these things comes the wrath of God on the children of disobedience. So, so God is talking about. I, I, I'm putting this in here so that you understand that I, I expect you to talk in a way that is um, fitting. For someone who is part of the royal household, someone who is part of the royal court, and 
uh, this is the kind of talking that I expect. And so, so if you are doing something different, then that would be disobedient. And then that would be a place you don't want to be. So he says, for you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So walk as the children of light, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things are approved, that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever makes manifest is light. You know, there's lots of things that you just encounter throughout the day, particularly if you watch the news or if you have a job and you ever leave your house. You're going to see all kinds of things that that will stir this thing inside of you, this righteous indignation of, I can't believe that. You know, I can't believe that thing that I just saw. And, and uh, I'm one of those types of people that I want to talk about it. Not not because I want to revel in it, but because I'm incensed and that's foul, and I just can't believe that, and I want to I want to complain about it. But he says it's a shame to even speak of those things which are done in secret. I mean, and these these are obviously these things aren't being done in secret, but but uh, there's this thing about talking about these bad things that go on in gory detail. That that brings a glory to it, and so, and so, you know, we gloss over those things. It's like, yeah, that was really nasty. So anyway, you know, this great thing that God is doing in my life is, and you know, and just that that giving of thanks. Man, God, I appreciate what you're doing in my life. So He says, uh, wherefore He says, awake, thou that sleepest, and rise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So that's. You know that's a way better thing to focus on than than uh, all the things around us. You know, think about Lot. It says he was vexed with the the conversation of the wicked, and so it's like I feel like we're all a bunch of lots walking around uh, in the the nation around us. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Like last week, we talked about. The Psalm 119.9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to your word. That goes for you ladies too. So so we can take his word and that's, that's our map. That's our, that's our light. And so so we can... So if we're walking circumspectly then, then we're taking the things that we do and we're holding it up to that. I, I heard this, this song once where uh, this guy says, I'm holding my light my life up to the light of eternity. You know, it's like you see people that are like wine connoisseurs. They like to like kind of swish it around in the light and, and stuff, see the light shine through it. When you do that, you know, then it makes the, the trash more evident. And it's like, wow, God, I would like to have this thing gone. You know, so, you know, and so he says walk circumspectly. Carefully would be a good word, you know, because you don't want to be careless in the things that you do. You want to pay attention. And it's easy to just kind of float through life, taking it a day at a time, just kind of floating down the river. But, uh, you know, the kinds of people whose lives really 
turn out to, to matter in the final analysis are people who don't just float down the river of life. And so, so we get out our paddle. And it's like, I'm not going to just take life as it comes at me. I'm, I'm going to take life by the, by the collar. So he says, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God. Have you ever had a song stuck in your head that was just terrible? Or you're, you know, you're, you're at Walmart and you know, you're perusing the sodas and this song is playing and you know it because you've heard it. You don't like it, but there it is. And suddenly you're at home putting away your soda and your coffee and all your other good things. And there's that song again. You know, and I know the, the common wisdom among the youth is to hum the uh, Mario Brothers theme and it will kind of reset your song stuck in my head thing. Because everybody knows that if you're, if you're below 30. But, uh, you know, I'm not entirely sure that works. Uh, it's kind of hit and miss. But, you know, we, we get those things stuck in our head and, and we'd like to get rid of it. And I think this is a great, a great suggestion right here. He says in verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart for the Lord. You know, and that doesn't necessarily have to be something out loud, you know, because if you're speaking to yourself, hopefully you're probably, unless you're completely alone, hopefully you're not moving your mouth. Because, you know, people in the grocery store will avoid you <laughs> and kind of look askance at you. But, um, you know, but so bringing the, the focus back to Him and, and to the, His goodness and the things that He's doing in your life and the, the lives of the people around you is, is a far more profitable uh, use of your brain power and far better use of your breath than, than uh, the vain and foolish jesting or the, uh, the, the talk of, uh, that would spread uh, doubt or, or fear uh, or bitterness. You know, the Bible says that that a root of bitterness would defile many. And so the things that we the things that we say, he's saying, let's let's be careful about the things that we say. And uh, it's interesting how you know you can you can have something like that in your life that God deals with you about, and you you work on it, and over time, sometimes those things have a tendency to just sort of creep back in. And that's, that's why he talked about the, the little foxes spoiling the vines. So that's why we walk circumspectly, paying attention to our way with his word. Because then when we see those things, it's a lot easier to deal with a couple of ants than it is a little trail going in and out of your kitchen. So, so if you put a stop to it then, it's a lot easier. Go with me to Matthew 12. I'm going to be in 33. You guys all know this well. 
Well, maybe I'll go back to 31. It says, Wherefore I say to you, all manner of sin and blasphemy should be forgiven unto men. The blasphemy against the Holy Ghost should not be forgiven unto men. For whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whosoever speaks against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world nor the world to come. So, again, our words are very important. We need to be careful about the things that we do and say. He says, Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For a tree is known by its fruit. A generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. An evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your word shall you be justified, and by your word shall you be condemned. So, so he's talking about about that fruit coming out. You know, James said, "Show me your your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith with my works, because it should come out of your faith." So he's saying, he's saying, look at the things that you're saying. Look at what's coming out of your mouth, and is it, is it good, or is it not? Because that is a is just a dead-on indicator for what's going on in your heart. And so if those things are there, then then uh, we can take those things to Him. It's like, man, God, I am I'm ashamed at the things that are coming out of my mouth. The, 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 the doubt that's coming out of my mouth. The, the, the anger that's coming out of my mouth. The, the, the foolish, immature things that are coming out of my mouth. And... Help me to change it. Help me to help me to see these things for what they are and filter this thing out. You know, when you when you have uh, when you have a dirty furnace filter, then all that eventually it gets full enough that the dust just kind of goes along with it. You know, and I, I buy the really super expensive ones because everyone in my house has allergies seasonally, and so I buy the ones that are supposed to catch the little teeny tiny things. So, so we want that kind of filter, a nice, fine filter that catches all those little things. And, and God knows how to, to show us those things. Have you, ever, have you ever said something and just had somebody kind of stare at you? They didn't give you a pity chuckle or, or even kind of you know, look uncomfortably away and, uh, okay, yeah. They just kind of stare at you. Actually works really good. You know, I've, I've I've had people do that to me. It's like, oh, I thought that was funny. I guess it isn't. Okay. So, but it's a good indicator of where you're at. It's like, am I am I maturing in God or am I not? So, so he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, so we can filter the things that we say. But eventually, you know, the truth is not something that can be hidden long. And so what's really going on in your heart will eventually come out in one way or another because, for one thing, God wants you to see it. You know, Good or bad, God will bring you to a place where he shows you this is what's in your heart. And that can be really encouraging or it can be really discouraging. But even if it's something that's discouraging... That's still encouraging because then we're, then we're moving the right direction. Now we can get it fixed. Now we can deal with the issue because you know nobody wants to have 
that kind of thing in their heart. So we, nobody wants to have the, the, the evil treasure in our heart bringing forth evil things. We want that good treasure that brings forth good things. And he says, Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. And uh, another good word for idle there would be unprofitable. You know, again, what's profitable for the use of edifying, those are the things that we want to talk about. In, in Philippians, he said, you know, whatsoever things are good and lovely and just and pure and all that, those are the things we should be thinking about. And if those are the things you're thinking about, those are the things that you're going to be talking about. So, by your words, you're justified. By your words, you're condemned. And uh, because, you know, how often have you had somebody catch you in the thing that you said? It's like, well, that's what you said. It's like, well, that's not what I meant. Well, that's what you said. So apparently it's in there somewhere because that's what came out of your mouth. Uh, go with me to James, no, Colossians 3. We'll wrap this up so you guys have time for coffee and donuts before church. <laughs> Meanwhile, I shall hide behind the bulletproof pulpit. But no, you know, the thing is, is, uh, you know, like I said, you know, eventually, after I'd been married over 10 years, it occurred to me that, uh, um, you know, Cynthia was actually looking for a grown man, not an eight year old boy. And so, uh, I have an eight year old boy. And so the things that they find amusing are typically not the best. And so we, we trained them with that, that blank stare. It's like, like, isn't that funny? No, no, it isn't. So, you know, I, I started introducing the boys to some of that inappropriate humor because I was eight. And, and Cynthia pled with me. Like, please, it's not funny. Don't do that. Because then, who is with them all day long? I was like, but it's funny, and they laugh, and they're so cute when they laugh, and and that makes me cool, fun dad, and it's like, yeah, or it makes you just as immature as they are. Oh, okay. But I didn't really didn't really heed that, and uh, and then uh, as God began to show me, it's like, you know, this really isn't the best thing, is it? Kind of makes you sound like you're stupid. Yeah, I guess so. And so then began this like fix, fix kind of campaign. It's like stop talking like that. It's like, well, but Dad, you're the one that said it first. Yes, I did. And now I'm telling you, don't. And we're all going to not. So again, it's just better to not let those little things in. Deal with them while they're still tiny things. Uh, in verse 8 of Colossians 3, he says, But now you also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing you put off the old man with his deeds, and you put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So then... So he puts this all this negative talk and puts it on the old man. Like, this is all old man stuff. But you've put off the old man. So 
So you're putting on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of God. So, you know, think about that. You know, if if what take what you're getting ready to say, what this this thing that occurs to you to say, and think, could I see Jesus saying this? Hmm. No, probably not. Would I would I say this at church? Would I would I say this in front of the Sunday school teacher, who will then get up and talk about it in front of everyone? No. So, uh, so that's a good indicator of, huh? That must be part of the old man stuff. So, so I I put off the old man. So so that stuff has no no place in me. Has no effect on me. So I'm just going to put that aside because I put on the new man. And so I'm going to talk about the things and think about the things that that, that God would, would talk about because that new man is speaking to himself in, in psalms and songs and spiritual songs and, and giving thanks to God. Go with James chapter 3 and then I will release you. And I will just go ahead and start in verse 1. It says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. And if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. So they're saying if you, can, if you can control your mouth, then you can control everything you do. It says, Behold, we put bits in horses' mouth, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they are so great, are driven with fierce winds, and yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor lists. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So the tongue, So is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body, and sets on fire the course of nature." and is set on fire of hell. So it sounds like he's saying the tongue is a dangerous object, something that you have to be really careful with. Every kind of beasts and birds and serpents and things of the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly, evil, and full of deadly poison. But you can because you have the Spirit of God in you, and, and God is, is, can teach you self-control. And, he, and we have power in Him. Because we don't have to yield to any kind of sin. Because we're, we've been set free from it. We're not the servants of it. Therewith, bless we God, even the Father. And therewith, curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries or vine figs? So can no fountain yield salt water and fresh. So that's an interesting statement. It's like so with the you know have you ever heard somebody say yeah, wow you kiss your mother with that mouth you know it's like it's like saying really so you come to church and and you praise God and you tell God you love Him and and sing the songs of Zion and then but then you you curse the people around you and talk negative about them, the, these, these very people that are made in that same image, that have that same seed, it's like that these things ought not so to be. 
And so, you know, what God wants is for us to have love for one another. And and so, if you find yourself lacking in that, then certainly you can pray for it and, and ask God to put that in you. But your actions will also follow your choices. And so you can make a choice about what you're going to do because I, I've been married for nearly 17 years and I can tell you that love is not just a feeling. It's a choice. Because there have been lots of days that were just dull. I mean, there were days where, you know, I was on cloud nine and my head was in a fog because I was in love with the most beautiful woman in the world and she loved me. But there's also lots of days it was just, wow, this is a dull day. There's nothing interesting going on and... Yeah, this is boring. But love decides that I'm going to, I'm not done with this now. That's what our society is is going towards. It's like, wow, that that sense of excitement and news is all gone now. So I need to find somebody else so I can find that again. You know, and and God doesn't intend for us to live at any at that kind of emotional level all the time. That's not good for you. And uh, and because then you can't deal with life as it is. You you always have to have something that makes today special. And and some days are just days. And so so we make choices then. And it's like it, it's like making a choice that you know I'm not going to say that. I I would like to say that. My my flesh would really get a lot of pleasure out of saying the negative thing about brother so-and-so, but I'm not going to because uh, I'm not going to curse, curse men with the same mouth that I praise God with. That's the only mouth I have, so I'm going to keep it clean. He says, Who is a wise man endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. So... So then uh, he, he's kind of changing the subject, but he kind of leaves you with this idea of, uh, on that subject of if, if you're wise, as opposed to being foolish, then, then let it come out with good conversation. And so, so that's what we do. We, we talk about those, those things that are good to the use of edifying. We're swift to hear what other people have to say. And slow to speak because we're not in a hurry to 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 be the one to to say something because if you're too swift to to speak then oftentimes you're going to miss that momentary uh, chance to filter what you're about to say and uh, sometimes it feels like well I didn't have time to really filter that I needed to say it fast or the moment would be gone well okay. It wasn't really a good moment, though, was it? Because then didn't she stare blankly at you like, that's not funny. Oh, well, I guess filtering it probably would have been better, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, it would. So, Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the the things that you're doing in this, God, for teaching us and maturing us and putting these things in us that we need. Uh, from you, God, you're you're a good father. You're a good parent, God, and you you know how to teach us those things that we need to be successful in life, God. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for the the things that you teach us that uh, 
that are spiritual. We thank You for the things that You teach us that are just everyday physical things and dealing with one another. God, we need to have those kinds of things. God, oftentimes we grow up in environments that don't put in us the things that we need to be successful as adults, Lord God, and so then we, we find You teaching us those things and putting those things in us, and we appreciate that You do that. And God, we just we pray that You would... Uh, uh, Remind us all to take heed to our way according to Your Word. God, that we would look to You as the author and the finisher of our faith, Lord, and that we would be uh, circumspect in, in following after You and uh, that our goal would be that all our ways would please You. God, we just pray it in Your name. God, I pray that You would touch the service this morning. God, that You would fill us with a sense of expectation. God, God I, I'm expecting this morning that you have something to say to us. I'm expecting that you have something you want to do in this place. God, I know that there are lots of needs in this place this morning. Lord God, and people that aren't even here yet, God, that have a need of something from you. And God, I trust that you're going to get it done. I trust that you have what we need, God, and what I pray, God, is that that faith would be loosed in this place to receive from you those things. Lord God, we don't want to just come with our umbrella. Lord God, we want to come and dance in the rain. God, we want to get out there into Your presence, Lord, and, uh, and, and worship You because You are worthy of it. God, You are worthy to be praised. And we, we thank You for this day and all that You are doing in our behalf, God. We just praise You in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.